Hello, uh, welcome to the Future Law Podcast. I am Mike Madison with my co-host... Dan Hunter. It's nice to be back with you, Mike. It's absolutely wonderful to be back. So here we are at the end of our uh, end of our season for the first half of 2022 uh, with a wrap-up episode to uh, sort of take some inventory and reflect for a bit. And I thought we'd start us off by uh, officially welcoming you back to the podcast. It's been great to, to be part of the team. <laughs> Thank you. I, <laughs> I feel that I never left in, in some ways, but I was, I was absent without leave for a fairly long time. That's the vicissitudes of, of kind of academic management when things go kind of sideways during a pandemic and the whole of the university gets restructured. You're just kind of like, ah, I, there's one thing I got to drop. And unfortunately, it was, the, it was the podcast, but I'm just delighted to be back in the saddle and doing this with you again. Well, and it was all actually, I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun carrying it on uh, in your, in, in your, we'll call it a sabbatical. Uh, I was going to thank you, sabbatical, the, yes. The, the extended sabbatical. <laughs> An extended sabbatical uh, with good reason. But it, I, th- I think it helped both of us. And I think it helped the show uh, to, to be able to take a little bit of stock of, of what we were doing and how we could do it differently and how we could do it better. That's that's sweet of you, Mike, to say. It really helped the show with you not being here, Dan. Um, so, no, I, I couldn't agree more. It was really, the show was much, much better without me, but unfortunately, I'm back. So so let's let's do a quick recap of the season. We set out intentionally this season to to do some things, which we sort of haven't done up to this point. We've, we've kind of been loosey-goosey, and we're trying to now be a little bit more focused. So this season, we had a, we had a focus on uh, the skills and dispositions and, and the approach, the things that are necessary to succeed in in the future of law. And and you interviewed a whole lot of people around that. We also had another uh, topic around legal tech, which we'll talk about in a bit. But I wanted to actually ask you the sort of things that you learned from from the people, especially that you talked to. Well, you know, I went into this topic uh, with a a, a history of being interested, as you know, in leadership and what are uh, are often called soft skills, which is this terribly uh, sort of pejorative name. Terrible name. Assigned to (laughs) what are actually the most critical attitudes and aptitudes that uh, people in all professions need to uh, get started in a career and and to thrive over time. So, uh, you know, I was a practicing lawyer for a long time, and I've been in the academic business teaching students for a long time. So I had a pretty good sense going in of the basics, what some people call the T-shaped model of lawyering. So having breadth as well as depth and things like teamwork and collaboration skills and project management and a business sense uh, and so forth. I wanted to get past that a bit. This gave me an opportunity to do some exploring, to go out on the edge a little bit and to talk to some people who had some unconventional perspectives. So the people I talked to over the spring were not necessarily trained lawyers. Uh, They were people who have had leadership roles and professional success in areas where I was hoping there'd be some transferability. Things that they could talk about from their worlds we could bring into the conversation about law, legal training, and the legal profession. And you know, I'll leave it to the listeners to determine whether we, we pulled it off, but I actually had a lot of fun. Uh, and I actually think that's a hallmark of you know, the conversations around future of law, that uh, it should be stimulating and exciting uh, and provocative in a good way. 
so I talked to a friend of mine who's a Hollywood filmmaker, Bruce Cohen, who has made some spectacularly successful movies over his career. And I talked to Bruce about storytelling and how he, how he learned to be a storyteller and how he recognizes the difference between a great story and a weak story and what are the salient pieces of a story, all of which are features of good lawyering, no matter what sector of the legal industry that you're in. And I talked to my friend Scott Speck, who's a symphony conductor and who's been a symphony conductor uh, for more than 30 years. And Scott had some fantastic anecdotes and experiences to share about literally how to get a disparate group of people on stage to make music together, uh, which is Scott's literal job. But of course, metaphorically, it's what a, a lawyer in a complex professional environment needs to be able to do, no matter whether you're uh, at the lower end of the, of the hierarchy or in your leadership or a management role. So those are a couple of examples of things that I just got a big charge out of, of you know, uh, having some fun with those conversations. The last one I'll just put out there, which is a conversation with a friend of mine. I've known John since we were 11 years old. He is uh, a former lawyer. He is now uh, a professor of English literature in New York. He writes uh, biographies of 19th century literary figures. This is not the sort of background that you would expect to prompt a generative conversation about the future of law. But it was a really, really thoughtful and reflective look at the intersections between history, fact gathering, storytelling, personalities, career arcs. It was a way to really synthesize a lot of things that have been on my mind, I think have been on a lot of other people's minds. But we rarely have conversations about these out loud. We're always so caught up in the day to day, right? So there's the pressure of technology and all the changes that are happening on the business side of law right now, that it was a real luxury and a real real joy to be able to sit back with somebody I've known, I've known for many years and have a really thoughtful, deep conversation about some of the really subterranean thoughts that are, are underneath a lot of the things that we're experiencing. So, so if we if we're kind of like wrapping all that up in a in a neat little bow, what are the things that that we can kind of say are different about the future of law in terms of the skills and dispositions? You know, what what are the the things that say graduates should be focused on, or even you know the the partners um, who saying you know these are the sorts of things that we're going to have to start provisioning for in our uh, in our workforce. In some respects, it's a carryover of things that we've known for a while, but I think it's becoming more salient, which is be open to novelty, being open to finding wisdom and inspiration in unexpected places. I think one of the flaws in our current training model is that we encourage our students and early career lawyers to be focused, to be too focused and to shut themselves off. And I understand Time management is an enormous challenge for everybody. There's life, there's sleeping, there's eating, there's family, there's all kinds of things that we should make sure we enjoy beyond simply building a professional career. Wait, wait, we're talking, we're talking about law firms, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. You like to, to have a family, you also like to eat? Hang on, wait. I don't really understand <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe I should rewind that. But, you know, it. you, you find... 15 minutes a day, if you can, on, on the stationary bike or on the, on the train or, or what have you. You know, I'm not telling anybody to do something that they don't want to do. Rather, it's the, quite the opposite. Then you might find inspiration in 19th century literature, or you might find it in Hollywood filmmaking, or you might find it in, in music performance, just thinking about how these things are made and produced and distributed and the effort and thoughts that goes into them. Uh, because there's 
value in that for how you build your own career and how you navigate change, uh, even how you survive in a law firm. You know, I remember when I was a private lawyer back in San Francisco in the 1980s, I used to ride the train across the bay from Oakland to San Francisco and back every day. And I would read what's what you'd call early American history, 19th century American history. It had nothing to do with my job. It was just a, it was a complete escape. And I'll tell you, I remember those books. Here I am 30 years later. I remember what I was reading. And I can take away stuff today. Really good history teaches you lessons that are useful now. Do you, do you remember your clients and the, and the matters that you worked on? Though is a different question. Don't uh, answer that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no confidential information. I mean, whatever you answer, yes or no, it's going to be the wrong answer, right? Like, you know, if it's yes, it's like, wow, that's sad. And if it's no, all of your previous clients were like, oh, my God. Didn't care. Uh, sorry to say, uh, I don't. I, I, well, I'm good news. I don't have nightmares about yeah, them. Oh, that's good. There yeah, I go. do. I actually, surprisingly enough, I remember quite a lot of it. So, so Dan, let me tr turn this around on you. Yeah, of course. So, so your thread this spring was on on legal tech yeah. and entrepreneurship, and mm. uh, you know, obviously, there's kind of a cousin, a relationship between that and the skills and dispositions stuff. But obviously, it's sort of a different focus area, it's sort of a different target. And I know you talked to some folks that you've known well and some new folks and yeah. some folks down in Australia and some in the US. And so I'm curious, well, like, what were your takeaways? You've been, you're a veteran of that space. So what uh, was novel for you? I mean, it was it was great to, to, to chat with uh, with the three people that I that I spoke with, all, all um, uh, founders of, of legal tech companies. So Sam Flynn at uh, at Joseph, Donna Moyni at uh, Documate, and Evan Wong at Checkbox. So uh, Sam and Evan are both Australian, and Donna is uh, is based in California. Well, I mean, the thing that I w really wanted to start with is is to say, well, I'm glad I did it back then and, and not now, because as as we're recording this and and this this episode will drop in 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 a couple of weeks' time. You know, of course, there's a big meltdown in the capital markets and all of the tech sector is sort of running for the exits. So, you know, you don't want to be raising money right now. And I suspect for the, not for the next three three to six months. Um, and, and there's going to be a lot of uh, sort of upset in in those markets. Now, now I hope that each of the three uh, that we talk to are, are fine. I suspect that they will be. They're, they're pretty well established. But, um, you know, I think that if we were having that conversation with them today, they'd be saying, you know what, it, it, it looks it looks a little different. I guess the thing that that I I found most interesting there were a few things. So so one was um, there's not one correct type of founder. You know I, I think that we sort of assume in tech that everybody looks like a you know a tech bro and everyone kind of comes at it from the same perspective and that they're necessarily a serial entrepreneur and they're just looking for the next opportunity and and you know if you think about Sam and Dorna they both came from the access to justice community they they were they were both you know essentially uh, lawyers working in in the area where where people were underrepresented and the technology was was created uh, or the technology that they created, uh, you know, came out of that sector and and then has been you know commercialized and 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 used in in all sorts of different ways. But they still have a commitment to that type of uh, practice and that type of uh, of opportunity for those who are underserved by by sort of traditional legal means. Uh, Evan came at it, you know, very much as an entrepreneur um, and you know said, okay, well, we're going to be providing you know, compliance products for a particular sector that he was familiar with, and then they went, you know what, actually, we can create a whole platform that, that can do this kind of thing and then create a checkbox. So the thing that was 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 great was to see people 
being entrepreneurial and building these interesting things from from these different perspectives. So that that was one thing I thought was really great, and and I think that's a lesson for anyone who is is maybe graduating and thinking, you know, I can't do this. You know, that's just too hard. It's impossible. I don't have the tech skills, or I don't have the the connections and the network. But you can do it. Lots of lots of people can do it. So that that was one aspect which I thought was great. The other aspect that I thought was really interesting, uh, talking to Sam particularly. I interviewed uh, their, their CEO and his co-founder, Tom Dreyfus, in one of the first interviews that I ever did on this pod- podcast. It must have been three, three and a half years ago. And talking to each of them, uh, the sophistication uh, Sam sort of demonstrates now around the, you know, all of the things that he's learned in order to be a good entrepreneur is really interesting. You know, I think they both two of them and, and their, their co-founder Kirill sort of came at the idea and said okay we're, we're going to do this and then you know they had to learn a lot as they as they went along and talking to to Sam really was was like oh wow you've, you've really advanced a great deal and I think Dorna kind of mentioned that as well and so one of the things that I that I find kind of most interesting about tech and legal tech entrepreneurship in particular is it's just learning Right, it's it's a different sort of learning, but you'd better be good at learning. You'd better actually be prepared to to think things through, and when they don't work, you, you try a different approach. And and these guys were were really great. And the and the final thing, and this was certain, certainly a lot of the feedback that I got from the webinets was around Dorna just being so impressive and women in, in legal tech and women in tech generally was it's one of those things that is really resonating at the moment. It's just like, wow, you know, like they're just, they're so impressive. They're doing incredible work. Uh, and, and Dorna was really just a fantastic representative of that, of that group. So that, that, was, that was really thrilling. I was really pleased about that. Yeah, you look on social media, you see an enormous amount of activity. Uh, I mean, I follow people on Twitter. The The legal tech sector is getting mature enough, uh, so far as I can tell, to develop uh, some specific sectors and interests within it, right? So there's women as founders and CEOs and entrepreneurs is definitely becoming a more visible and, and important thing. Uh, the distinction that some people are starting to draw between legal tech as a sector that is sort of connected to big law uh, and sort of the business sector and what sometimes some people are calling justice tech, right, which is uh, sort of, you know, the kind of solutions that uh, the folks you talk to started out being especially interested in. And I talked to Eddie Hartman uh, on the podcast, who was one of the uh, you know energy behind LegalZoom, which is very similar uh, in terms of its origin story and Eddie's passion for that sector came across. It makes me wonder what, what you took away, if, if the learning process is so fundamental to the, the growth and evolution of that sector, how are people learning? Where are they getting lessons from? Is this a peer network? Are there standard resources that people are going to? Is it social media? What's the What's the, what are the rhythms of the space? There's this podcast that you really should cl- uh, get clued into. It's called the Future Law <laughs> Podcast. It's so much learning ah, to be had here, there. It's really excellent. It's really, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny you should mention that. So, so that's a, that's a great, that's a great location. I, I mean, I guess when I talked about learnings, I was, I was really more thinking of, of the things that, you know, the school of hard knocks as you're building these things, you know, that you went, oh, I think this is a great idea. And actually, no, it's not, not such a great idea. Uh, and so as long as you can, you can pivot and, and, you know, change your business model enough to survive to the next stage, then you know you, you learn a lot, and you go, yeah, that's that's not going to be so great. Um, I do think you know as an educator, and this was the uh, question I'm going to ask you in, a, in in a minute. But as 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 educators, you know, what do we take away from this this podcast that we have, this season that we've just done? How do we 
integrate this into into you know what we do in in our schools and I, I don't have a really clear answer to that in relation to legal tech I, I, legal tech I suspect that you have a better answer in relation to the, the skills and dispositions that you kind of uh, were talking about but there there are sort of some things that that I think we kind of can see now with the uh, evolution and the maturity in in the legal tech sector you know there are some standard kind of no code types of environments that, that uh, that law schools can use. I think that there there are sort of the, the process of learning how to translate law into these technological solutions is a really important one. Lawyers have to do that. It's not something which the technologist can do for you. I haven't really seen any kind of good syllabus where you can say, this is how to be a legal tech entrepreneur, right? And, and I would be suspicious of, of that kind of uh, syllabus, although I'm, I'm sure you know you and I could write one based on, on what we've done here at, at, at the podcast, and maybe we should talk about that. It's an interesting question, you know, how do we actually start taking these lessons from the podcast and put them into uh, our everyday teachings at, at our school. So, so I, I wanted to turn that question back on you. You know, what what do you think that that we can take from from all of the skills and dispositions that you kind of talked about and in the interviews that you did, and and put that back into the curriculum? I guess I wouldn't separate the skills and disposition stuff. I would link it back to the entrepreneurship and founder stuff that you've been doing, and this is why. Because it, it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't relate just to people who are getting trained and getting their degrees, whether in, you know, whatever country's legal system they're, they're uh, getting their, their education in. It, it's something that continues to percolate through people's early careers and sometimes even later than early careers. Because I think that thing that unites them, what, what motivates me and what I heard in, in the interviews I did and when I, you know, I teach this leadership class at uh, my law school, which tries to express some of these ideas, is that... Uh, People getting law degrees, people building law careers are often discouraged, honestly, from having their own visions of their own future, right? Uh, people come to law schools with an enormous amount of idealism often and you know, hope to have all kinds of impacts uh, in their communities, large scale, small scale, that there's a big range there. There's an enormous amount of diversity and, right, and legal education is notorious for beating that idealism out of people. It's the horrific thing about the systems that we've built. We graduate people who are often just because of debt and cynicism and other things, they feel uh, essentially compelled to go off into you know big law firms, private sector law firms, where they toil for a long time. And eventually, many, not all, some people thrive, some people have great careers in those spaces for sure. But some people wake up and say, you know, I, this is not what I went to law school for. I want to do something else. Uh, and it's kind of an epiphany moment for people. And uh, in, in the interviews that you did, the interviews that I did, I think what we're hearing is that it's absolutely a good idea. It's wise, it's acceptable, it's even great to develop that vision for yourself and to act on it when you're ready. And we as educators can do a lot at different levels, right? Some of the nuts and bolts is kind of training, sort of no code programs or entrepreneurship boot camps for lawyers or that sort of thing, up to a higher order of sort of reflectiveness about you know, what you're capable of. Uh, you know, come to law school with that idealism and we will give you the self-confidence and a bit of a nudge and some training to act on that idealism and go out into the world. And, you know, in the old days, meaning, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it was go off and hang your own shingle and be a solo practitioner. Now that looks different. I mean, people do still go out and have solo practices, but these are much more tech supported kinds of things. Or being an entrepreneur is very much like being a solo 
practicing lawyer. Uh, and you can do that, you know, get yourself ready to do that when you're in law school. You can get yourself ready to do that when you're a junior lawyer in a law firm. One of the interviews I did last fall was with a guy named Alex Hamilton who is the CEO of Radiant Law. And Alex was a partner. He made partner in his law firm. And then he walked away and said, I've got a vision for myself and I've got a vision of the good uh, in the legal profession. And he said, I'm just going to go do it. And, you know, he's a take charge kind of a personality and he's got a bit of an appetite for risk, which you need to have if you're going to be an entrepreneur. But the, I think the message is it's always a good time. Uh, and I think to take that back, take that away from the, the podcast, I think if we're in sending a message to people that says, you know, you're not a crazy person. This is actually a good thing to do with your legal training, uh, to develop your vision and to rally people to that vision, funders and partners, and give it a shot. And the world doesn't always salute. We know that. Entrepreneurs all know that. There are a few things that are satisfying as launching a venture and nurturing it and seeing it succeed. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast for three years and there's a bit of that in, in this venture, too. It's, a, it's certainly launched. Whether it's succeeding or not is, is another question. <laughs> uh, if there's anyone still listening, uh, we, we can ask them to send their, their notes on the back of an envelope or in a, a tweet to, to uh, the Future Law Pod. Uh, so so that's a really nice wrap up of, of, of the last season. Thank you. Uh, as always, I can rely on you to, to sort of do the grand vision that's actually behind these these sort of like little plotting steps that, that, that we're kind of taking, which is, which is great. This uh, will be my, my last uh, podcast hosting for um, a month or two uh, while I move to England. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yes, yeah, so so I'll, I'll be taking up the deanship at King's College London at the Dixon Poon School of Law, which I'm really thrilled about. It's a, it's a great opportunity. So um, there'll be some bonus content uh, that will happen during that time. And, and thank you for taking over the chair uh, during yes, that. Yes, indeed. Yes, I'm very excited. That will still be brought to you by Queensland University of Technology. So, so thanks to, to QUT for, for funding that. When we come back for our next season, we'll be brought to you uh, from America and England this time, uh, but hopefully with some Australian friends involved. Uh, it will be. It'll be a truly global production. It'll be very global. We'll, we'll have even more global than we currently are, and have to manage even more time time zones than we currently do, which is great. So, what uh, do the listeners have to to um, look forward to in the bonus content? And then we'll talk a little bit about the next season. Well, the bonus content, we're going to tie off some of what we've been calling the skills and disposition stuff. I've got some very special guests lined up with a lot of really interesting things to say about uh, parts of that soft skills universe that get a lot of attention, but not a lot of don't get explored in a lot of depth. And I've got I don't want to give away too much because I want to make sure people uh, come back for the listen. Don't tell, yeah, don't tell. it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, and exciting. But we just are not going to tell you who it is. Tune in next week. I'm just bouncing off the walls metaphorically with excitement about the prospect of talking to some of these folks. So I'm really looking forward to what's coming in the next few weeks. And then when when we roll around for the next season, Dan, what's the what's the the, the key theme to get us started. At the concrete level, uh, we're, we're going to take a look at alternative legal service providers. And and so we're, we're going to have some interviews with uh, founders and members of ALSPs. So they span a, a really interesting range. You know, sometimes these are uh, secondment and, and staffing companies. Sometimes these are providers of high volume, low risk work. Uh, sometimes these sit inside law firms themselves as captive ALSPs. And uh, we're really interested to try to tease out what that means for those firms and for the profession generally. And then the larger question that we're going to be addressing with a whole range of, of different uh, interviews will be, what does the entire kind of system 
of law look like? Mike, you've got some ideas around that, I think. I, I call it the tectonics of the legal profession, right? So, well, you know, we've, we've spent the last season talking about individuals. We've been focusing on, uh, you know, students and new lawyers and managers and leaders in different parts of the system. What are the skills uh, and, and goals and what are the obstacles and how to overcome them and so forth? And I always wanted to step up and, and take a, you know, a higher level view of all the different big institutional players, the business side of it, the regulatory side of it. There's obviously things happening in a lot of different countries that are have a lot of specificity based on the local conditions, but there's a lot of overlaps in terms of the patterns of change happening in different ways. So hopefully we'll be able to tie some of the, the things that are happening in Australia, the UK, the US, Canada, Europe, elsewhere, tie them together with some, some big themes uh, so that we can do some maybe some educated forecasting about what's coming over the next decade or two. Well, that sounds exciting to me, Mike, I got to say. In many ways, I think it's the, the obvious kind of question that we should ask in, in what will be, I guess, the, the fourth year of, of the podcast. So I guess that's, that's season four, you know, yeah. if you want to do actually any counting. I'm not exactly sure how we count this. I, I, think, we're officially, uh, I think we're officially out of the pilot stage. I think, I think yeah, we, we got picked up and uh, we're going to continue it. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for, for, for being such a, such a great host while, while I was away. I'm really pleased to be back. Um, I'm taking this short hiatus while I, while I move myself and family. And I can't wait to, to come back. And, and in the next season, we'll explore some really interesting parts of, of what's going to happen with the legal system in the Future Law Podcast. I'm very excited to carry it forward, Dan. Thanks so much for a great season. Thanks for listening to the Future Law Podcast. If you'd like to share your thoughts on legal tech, startups, or the skill sets needed for the new world of law, then send us an email on futurelawpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us via Twitter at the Future Law Pod. Also, if you're enjoying our show, don't hesitate to rate and review us on Apple or Spotify. Thank you to our executive producer, Paria Tahazadeh. The show is brought to you by Queensland University of Technology. Bye for now.